it Friday. You know what time it is. It's FRPC Hoops, and I am here with the Canadian bomber, Nico Miatello. Nico, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty good today, Vince. I'm excited to get talking about the subjects we have lined up here. We got some draft prospects. We got some NBA stuff. We got a whole lot of things to discuss. We do indeed, and I want to start off with kind of a bummer, but I think it needs to be talked about. But I want to, I want to move the conversation forward. So, Kevin Durant is hurt. Uh, it's a strained MCL. Looks like he's going to be out a month. He's already been out a week. My question for you is, who are the others who are going to step up defensively? We're going to take some of the scoring burden. And then what does this team have to look like for them to stay afloat as Kevin Durant convalesces his injury? I have a couple of players that I want to kind of throw out your way, and then you can kind of go forward. But first and foremost, let me ask you, schematically wise, what do you think that the, the Brooklyn Nets need to do uh, with this time without Durant? Well, I think probably the first thing you need to do is figure out how your offense is going to work because that's your number one player, the Alpha and the Omega for your squad. So you're going to need to redesign it to a certain extent. And Jock Bond has already had an intense job asked of him to this point. But he's going to need to step forward uh, even further from here. I think defensively, while I've I've said many times this year that KD has been the best defender on the team, I think defensively they can kind of survive because at this point they still do have three relatively plus defenders in their starting lineup between Royce O'Neal, Nick Claxton, and Ben Simmons. So that that should be able to help them. We're going to need Royce O'Neal to step up to some of the defensive levels he was at in Utah because we he has taken a bit of a step back on that end. But it, at this point, he's shown flashes that he can still bring it at times. And during this KD injury, they'll kind of need that. Um, offensively, though, the the guy I think you're going to need to rely on way more is a guy who hasn't played in quite a while, and that's TJ Warren. I think that's the best scoring option that they have to just move into their lineup. They used Joe Harris last night, but Joe Harris still doesn't quite look a hundred percent. He's he's playing he's playing well, I would say, considering, but I I'm not sure I want Joe Harris out there for thirty minutes a night every night. So we're gonna need TJ Warren to step up for the Nets if they're going to be able to survive this time without KD. Well, also, they do have a real dynamic player in Kyrie Irving. So, yeah, absolutely. Kyrie. Yeah, if you're looking at his situation, he's probably going to definitely have a couple more attempts a game Mm -hmm. from his way. The shooters have to get open at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. They got guys who are good at that, considering like Joe Harris and our guy, Yuta Watanabe. He's been excellent at that this season. I, I've i been really impressed by him. 
Um, so I think they'll be okay there. And obviously Kyrie is going to take a few more shots a game, but like we've, we know what Kyrie looks like taking a couple more shots a game. I think everyone is like ready for that part. I didn't want to touch belabor that too much. Well, the other thing that I wanted to ask you is, is this, is that Durant's defense has been, um, just a revelation this year. Absolutely. Uh, He's, he has been a very stout defender. Mm-hmm. So now, who is going to fill that role? Who is going to be the weak side helper? Who is going to be the rota- rotational guy that gets out to the wing? Explain uh, to me how you take Durant out and, I guess, what? You use Simmons and Claxton and Warren in that I don't look at Warren as a defender. No, Warren well, Royce Royce would be the defender there not Warren. Um but I I think you might have to kind of change your defense up to a certain extent because you don't really have that weak side presence to the same level like we've seen Ben Simmons playing a role like that before but that to a certain extent is wasting the talents he does have on the defensive end because he's so much better like on ball switching. So I, I think I might want to run a little bit more drop coverage without uh, KD and without that roaming weak side guy. I think that that's the type of thing that you could do in the regular season and skate by, though. I think, unfortunately for my Rockets, they're looking like they're going to skate into a top four seed pretty easily. All right. So then quick synopsis. T.J. Warren's production needs to step up. Obviously, we need to see. He doesn't need to be the guy that he was in Indiana in the mm-hmm. bubble, but he definitely needs to be somewhere in between non-production and guy in the bubble. So he needs yeah. to probably be in that 15 to 18 range and, what, six rebounds. And, and then the shooters, to me, they need to be more productive. It needs to be the Curry it needs to be the Joe Harris's of the world. What is Royce O'Neal shooting at this like present time as far as three? Is he is he still is he still above like thirty seven? Uh, he was really hot to begin the year. Yeah, he's four, still at forty one. Okay, he is. He, yeah, he's been above thirty seven for the last five years. So I think that's like something we can expect from him. Are they the team to trade for for uh, Crowder? Uh, perhaps. I think he, I'm not sure how much he necessarily helps. He's a little duplicative with the guys they already have, specifically Royce. And Ben Simmons can do some of the same stuff that Crowder can. But if they wanted to run, like, just a super stout defensive rotation going through the playoffs. I could, I could see that as a possibility. Do they have a young guy that they could give Detroit and some salary filler to get Bogdanovich from them? Because I think he fits their offense. Well, they, they do have the Sixers pick in their back pocket that they can use. So I think that's that's something that I'd be uh, on the lookout for. Bogdanovich 
my, I, I'm worried that he is going to get traded for more than <laughs> he should be traded for because it seems like this year is particularly short on sellers at the trade deadline. So uh, that might not be quite enough to get Bogdanovich. I think in a normal year it would be, though. Yeah, I think people are drastically going to have to overpay. And I just, I'm telling you right now, that's going to be a problem for me. Mm. I, I will have things to say about that. You will get not rainbows and puppies, Vince, if that happens. You'll get conceptually tell me why this, why we did this. I have a real hard problem when you have a 34-year-old wing who is limited defensively. He does play good team defense, but he's yeah. slow foot. Um, he does work the angles. Um, he's not a vertical threat. He's no. not a rim protector, but he shoots the light out of the ball. He's a good connector on the offense, and he won't mm. absolutely destroy you on the defensive end. But no, I really no. have a problem with a guy – getting multiple first round picks at the age of 34. Sorry. Yeah. That multiple, if he goes for multiple first round picks, Troy Weaver is made his hall of fame case. Very easy. (laughs) That is an absolute, he traded Kelly Olenek for him and just signed him to this cheap little extension and then turns around and trades him for. I think Saban Lee was in that deal as well. Yeah. Saban Lee was in that deal. Shout out to Saban Lee. He won't yeah. get a lot of love on this podcast, but he's getting love right now. Yeah, Saban yeah, Lee is the man. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure he was on Rio Grande Valley uh, not too long ago. Whether Duran is out for the the low end amount of time, which is the four weeks, which is that's what Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting and Shams is reporting. Of course, they have to report the most optimistic timeline when it comes to superstars. But if it's more like what it usually is, which is six, yeah, and out, get him after the All Star break, they needed a trade irregardless. Mm-hmm. I think to further solidify their pedigree as a actual contender. Yeah. So now my question to you. From what you've seen in that team, I think we talked about it week before. I would like a big, I would like a wing, I would like a like a more like a four, five guy than anything else. I guess we came to the point that they that's not out there right now. Yeah. Really. I think if you're looking for a traditional five. <laughs> That exists in Jakob Pertl in uh, with the Spurs. I think like that player is acquirable in a trade, but I don't think that's what the Nets need necessarily. No, uh, they need more of a guy who can play maybe next to Claxton or maybe also in small ball type units, and that player's not exactly on the block right now. Those guys are kind of what everyone's looking for, the Jaron Jacksons of the world. Now, if you want to give multiple picks, you know my suggestion was last week, Isaiah Stewart. Now, if you want to go out and give multiple picks for uh, something. I, man, I think they're even hesitant to move him. They they love them some no, Isaiah Stewart. I 100%, if I was Detroit, definitely I would want to keep him if I'm the Nets. 
and yeah. I've identified my area of need, I'm definitely putting out to the NBA world that this is what I'm looking for. And yeah. I'm going exactly to the team that has exactly what I want. So yeah, then that's... I can go, I was willing to give multiple picks for him. I am definitely not willing to give multiple picks for him. Mm-hmm. Cause he's not the Zenith. He's not Isaiah Stewart. He's yeah. this. Uh, I don't have the appetite to give up picks for whoever option B is. What if, what if this would be, this would be a wild move, but. So are you about to do reckless trade? Uh, uh, to a certain extent, but. Uh, there's been rumors that the John Collins market is actually pretty tepid and teams are a little concerned about the contract. There might be a world where they can throw together enough salary to make an offer. It's The problem is just they lack in draft picks for uh, a John Collins trade, what I think the Hawks would be looking for. But I think that would be a fun fit offensively at the very least. Maybe you can get a third team involved. Yeah. To get the picks. It would be kind of difficult to to, uh, figure out the machinations, but I can can work on it. Well, the problem is, is that we all know that once you get another team involved, that's where trades go to die. Uh, Yeah. You you know, there are as many podcasts that are out there that talk about trades in the NBA. That's probably how many – go to the wayside when you add a third team. Yeah. That's how trades 100% die. Just look at Utah, the Knicks, and the Lakers earlier this year. Mm -hmm. And that's all you need to know. Because everybody wants whatever they want, and they're not willing to give up the exact thing that you need to get this thing done, and that's where it all goes to hell. So. Yeah, they they can pretty easily put the salary together to get John Collins. I think you would need the the Hawks to value a guy like Cam Thomas on some level and then to trade away the the Sixers pick, every other pick that they currently have rights to. I think that might be a John Collins trade. Cam Thompson in uh, Atlanta trying to get shots. Yeah. Trying to get shots with Trey Young. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think, I think ideally you're, if you're Atlanta, you look at Cam Thomas as maybe a guy who can compete with Aaron Holiday to be like that guard who comes off the bench in the non Trey Young minutes to just kind of run around beside DeJounte. But, he he'd be such a downgrade defensively, he'd be an upgrade offensively, but he's a defensive downgrade from Aaron. And Blake. is he a upgrade offensively? Because the one thing that you know about Cam Thomas is that he likes to shoot. He does. He he's does. never seen a shot that he did not like. Mm-hmm. Never. But it, it, it's true that like he is that kind of player to a certain extent, but he does sometimes pass. And to be honest, like the Hawks are kind of used to playing with a player like that all of the time. So when, if you have a guy like Cam Thomas to come on behind Trey Young, 
it, it doesn't change much of how your team's running. So I kind of, I kind of think that it'd be okay. He'd he'd be worth like a long shot. Like I'm not trying to give Cam Thomas more than like a chance to earn 11 minutes a game. He's a guy that they could see some value in. Obviously, the primary value of the trade would be getting off of John Collins' contract and the incoming first-round picks to make up for what you lost in the DeJounte trade. Maybe you can get that third team to take Cam Thomas because um, leaning more into the dysfunction of the Atlanta Hawks, to me, would be entertaining to watch. They would be kind of like my OKC guilty pleasure Orlando Magic guilty pleasure watching, which I absolutely am enjoying this year. I'm super enjoying watching SGA. Yes. Do what he does. And that's a perfect segue to my next question for you. What does the Oklahoma City Brain Trust, i.e. Sam Presti, do to slow down SGA and their tanking prospects for the top four. What do they do? I couldn't tell you because I kind of think that they're in a rough situation right now where SGA is playing like in an all NBA level player. So that that matters a lot for his legacy, him being able to make like an all NBA berth on this Thunder team. So SGA is not going to want to shut it down this year the way he has in past seasons. Are you going to like remedy that by shutting down Lou Dort and shutting down all your other like rotational pieces? And how happy is SGA with that when you throw him out there with Alexi Pokashevsky for 38 minutes a game and that starts messing with his numbers and his all-NBA case? I think the Thunder might be in a position where they need to ride it out this year. And uh, that's unfortunate because it's the victor draft, obviously, but... I, I think they might have worked their way into a position where they, they cannot continue this tank anymore. Well, that was always going to be the question, right? Because at some point, the rubber was going to meet the road. <laughs> you have this guy who you got in the Paul George trade. Who that is one of the greatest trades we've ever seen. Absolutely. Oh, my God. No question about it. I mean, it all depends on this year's draft and what New Orleans gets because mm. that trade continues to give to New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, it definitely <laughs> does. It definitely does. But the fact... But you have an all-NBA player. You got yeah. an all NBA player back, and and seven draft picks. So what what do you he Sam Presti was able to trade Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard wasn't on his roster. That is the most impressive thing that I think has ever been done by a GM. Nico, so I'll say it again, and I'm gonna yell right now. So this is so just just give me a second. Just oh, I know where you're going. There's no salary cap on your front office people get quality get 
people who forward think of what this league is going to be and implement them into your franchise. Because, you know, you talk about the value of this franchise and the Knicks are worth 7 million and the Lakers are 7 billion and the Lakers are worth 7 billion. And, you know, Phoenix went for what? Like four? Four Four and a half, I think, yeah. All right. So there's a cap on players, which we can talk about that because I think there's a fix to that too. That's going to be a later podcast. I got to tease it out. But you have no cap on analytics department, front office, player development. So there's no excuse. Right? If you're yep. if you're a Fortune 500 company, would you have this lame like board of directors and people in like COO <laughs> spots and CFO spots and uh, yeah, yeah. I just don't understand. You, it is so obvious how much that stuff helps. The number one case study Memphis. is no. I don't even think it's Memphis. I think it's the team we were just talking about, the New Orleans Pelicans. Look at what they did the entire Anthony Davis era to that guy, and. As soon as he goes out of town and Zion comes in, the unfortunate passing of Tom Benson, Gail Benson taking over the team and just pumping money into the organization. Look at how good this Anthony Davis never had anything like this. He they have so many more stars around Zion and they have all the draft picks in the world. The Pelicans before had injured Eric Gordon, injured Ryan Anderson, injured Drew Holiday and no draft picks because they traded them all away for those players like on top of it, they have now one of the best medical staffs in the league. They used to share medical staffs with the Saints. They have one of the top-notch training facilities in the league. They used to not have that, obviously. And just like look at how much better these players are getting consistently. It is so obvious how much like putting money into your front office and your player development medical staff helps organizations, and teams just refuse to do it. Memphis has literally like 13 player development people in the front office. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. And this is my message to my team. Are you listening, Genie Bus? Or listen, I know you're not listening, but your people should be listening. Just add. Can you just add to the front office to the brain trust? That's all I'm asking is that we get a true analytics department, not three dudes sitting in a closet. And can we get true player development people if you want to split it up with young players and then break them down to wings, guards, bigs? whatever i'm sure you have enough alumni from your organization past pretty rich history actually to go ahead and do that so that's my diatribe on that okay back to a a organization that seems to be functioning well and almost to a point where they kind of price themselves out of the windy sweepstakes back to okc so 
there's nobody on their cap. SGA is the only guy that's 30 million. Everybody else is 15 million below. Yeah. There's there's no relief there. There's no like, oh, we got this this salary that we would love to get rid of. There's nothing like that. Everybody on that team is functional from them, whether it's young guy developing, uh, first round draft pick this year getting healthy. Shout out to Chet that we didn't yeah. see this year. We were robbed of that. And then you have the Jalen Williams uh, conundrum. Which one? Both of them. <laughs> just, just two of them. They started both of them the other Yeah, day. they did. And that dude did finger rolls. The Arkansas yeah. six, 6 10 big did finger rolls, and it was pretty. Yeah. So, I he, mean, they yeah. literally will have to shut people down, right? Like, that's what it's going to have to be. And mm-hmm. like you said, do they have the appetite to to really upset SGA? Or is there any way that you could talk to him and say, hey, listen, we're not going to shut you down. But we got to shut Giddy down. Uh-huh. We got to shut Giddy I down. So I don't think so. Because that like messes with his all NBA case too. Like if you take away all the other good players on the team, he's not going to play as well. I, I don't know if you can sell him on it as easily. And I think the guy, the guy that you'd have to shut down in my opinion, anyways, would be Dort because that like completely pulls the legs out from under their defense. And that creates the biggest problem. SGA could continue to go off and put up these numbers, but just he'd be getting cooked defensively. That doesn't really matter for guards and all NBA cases. So, I think that would be the move, but you you I would still need to sell SGA and Dort on it if you're gonna do something like that. Well, Dort just got paid, right? He's he did he's in the what the first year of the extension, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's making fifteen. I mean, money wise, he's taken care of, and he's back, it's yeah. not gonna it's affect his future earnings. There's so much uh, runway to go with after this year because really if you think about it after this year the tank is over right i mean the tank looks like it's over to this year actually but in essence that team is literally going to be looking to elevate themselves and start talking about playing and then playoffs and whatever and all that next year right yeah, with Chet this year, I'd argue they could be a playing team right now. I agree with you. Yeah. I would have loved to see it. But we with that being said, so they're they're one game out of the play in right now. That's they're, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they're they're definitely a playing team next year. They're nine games better than my Houston Rockets. We need a hamstring injury or something. Yeah. Man, is there a new COVID strain that I need to worry about? And you know, oh man, that can like sleep through OKC. (laughs) I'm just happy. OKC is just like my rival. Like for the Rockets, I personally am always maddest at OKC versus every other 
franchise in the league. I know we've had more like historical problems with the Spurs and the uh, Jazz and the Mavericks, but I I just hate OKC because of the wet Westbrook trade primarily. I think, but. I yeah, I'm hoping they don't get Victor at all. I'm ready for that team to be over with, and they've got my pick next year. So I, yeah, it, it's not hopeful. Mm. And speaking of Victor Wingbayama, right. <laughs> so we've been promising our our listeners that we would start rolling into the draft. This is kind of our let's dip our toe into the draft yeah. pool, right? Mm-hmm. It should be like some ocean behind us or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> give me your thoughts on Victor Wimbayama. Uh, he is the most impressive prospect I've ever seen. Absolutely. I know we've touched on him a few times so far, but this like jumbo size super creator offensive hub. Seven foot four. Yeah, seven foot four, two hundred thirty pounds, eight foot wingspan. It's not not something you've seen before, and the play type is far more Kevin Durant than it is any big that we have in the league right now. It's not something that we're going to be used to seeing. Give you a couple quotes. I've always felt like I was on a different level. This is Wimbayama's statement to the New York Times. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do, do you have his his scoot quote? Well, no, nah, I said, I want yeah, I wanted to stay away from that. I'm trying to to give you cuz there's something at the bottom of this. I this is what Okay, I'm, okay. I'll I'm let you work it. towards it. I've All I've right. got I've got a couple quotes too, so but I was leaning yeah. more into trying to get to know the guy and get to know mm-hmm. what's going on. So I talked to a couple people um, I read some articles, I listened to some podcasts, and my first impression of him is that the lights are never going to be too bright, ever. Yeah. He's been studying English since 13 because he was preparing himself for the NBA, Nico. Yeah, yeah, okay. it was obvious. All right? He spends an hour a day meditating and doing yoga, thinking about the game and preparing his body for the rigors of that night. And also he takes the time to also think about himself as a person to better himself as a person and a basketball player. Mm -hmm. All right. One of his agents said he acts like he's 30. Yeah, yeah. The the last thing that I want to say, his parents are involved in this deal, Team Wimby, if you want to call it that. And they're not the helicopter parents you might think. They're all about enhancing this young man's profile, his brand, and, you know, whatever his needs are, his day-to-day needs are. So the, the family is all on board with his deal. And then the other thing that I thought was really impressive was there was a point in the game in Vegas, and this will lead to your quote, and you can go ahead and talk about it, but there was a point in the game in Vegas where 
one of his teammates didn't shoot the ball and he yelled at him. Right. And he said, I just want what's best for my teammates. I'm never going to yell at a guy who tries and misses. Everyone makes mistakes. I just want him to be free flowing in the offense. Yeah. This is coming from your seven foot four wing. My question to you, I think I have an answer. Do you see him as an integral hub of offense? Oh, yeah. In the yeah. NBA. You build, you build everything around him. And like as soon as Victor is drafted to your organization, Victor becomes your organization. He is your heliocentric center scorer. You work on developing him as a passer just to put the ball in his hands more. And you like trade any players away that conflict with him. He is the entirety of your team as soon as you you acquire him the good quote i was talking about about earlier he said uh scoot is amazing he is the type of guy who deserves to be the number one pick in the draft if i was never born (laughs) that level of confidence and he's so right but that level of confidence is just undeniable. I, uh, you love to hear it from someone like him. And you could say this about Scoot and Victor both. Like, these are two of the most pro-ready prospects we've had in a long time. It reminds me kind of, of like the LeBron of the world, like how everyone knew LeBron like mentally had everything figured out from day one. Well, not everything, obviously the decision happened, but he had like being an NBA player in mind and a path to work forward from there. And I, I see that same thing in both Victor and Scoot, but the, the, the final difference, quote, though, the difference though, is that Wing Bayama has a, a, a different type of sophistication to him. Yeah. There's a nuance to him that is definitely belies his years, one. And I think I would I would he's say. not he doesn't get hyped, bro. It's a flat line with him. A lot yeah. of the stuff, the the quote that he said about Scoot. It was really matter of fact. It wasn't turning. Yeah, it wasn't, exactly. It wasn't um, this like, well, you know, I was born. So sucks mm-hmm. to be him. It was really matter of fact. It was thoughtful. He was trying to compliment Scoot. He yeah. absolutely was. And he just like said facts that uh, <laughs> came off as the most impressive thing we'll tease the lebron quote for about victor for the article i i am working on a player profile for victor that should be dropping this weekend i've i've gotten pretty far into it but i i got to expand a little further so we're i'll I'll just say this and then i'll just let it go because i want to get to a couple games i know you saw a game last night and I saw a game last night I want to get to they're both in the college ranks mm-hmm. I look at him and I just go he gets it and I don't think like when he comes over here 
and the draft happens and you go to your new city and the pomp and circumstance. I don't think any of that will affect him at all. Mm-hmm. I think he will go right back to the gym, right back to working out, figure out what that team specifically wants him to kind of work on and he'll start working on it. He's been preparing to be great since 12. Yeah. Like in his mind, 12, 11, he knew I'm going to be great. There's no question in his mind. I'll tell you this. And I, I know I know the big bugaboo about guys who are that size and it's all about, well, can they stay healthy and feet and leg and all of that? I think he might be the one guy that you don't worry about. I know Yao is different. I mm. know, uh, what is it? Uh, Zajunas Elgaskis had the foot injury. We know about Sam Bowie way back in the day. Kids, if you're, li- if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know who Sam Bowie is, he's directly connected to the guy who is now the MVP trophy. Michael. Yes. He's di- he's yeah. directly connected to that guy. Yeah. Okay. I think that's so, the only reason why anyone knows who Sambo Bowie is, to be honest. Okay. First he's, of all, if you don't know who Sam, first of all, he was amazing in college. So go yeah. look at that. Go well, get you, well, okay. That's the only reason YouTube under 30 you know who Sam Bowie yeah, is. Yeah, whatever. That's cool. I'll be the old man. I don't care. Mm. I'll be the one. Because a lot of my comps have, have to do with old, uh, old yeah. people. He reminds me a lot of of Kareem, and the reason why I say that is not what how he plays; it's how he carries himself. Mm-hmm. He carries himself like he's a big deal, not in a look at me way, but he just has this air, this aura about him, and he knows it, and he knows that you know it. Yeah. And then, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan's another guy who had that similar vibe to him. Um, and then he has just the the dexterity. It, oh yeah, in both hands, and it's it's wild. Yeah, it's yeah. wild to look at. Every time you see him do something, the step back, and you go, "That's yeah. seven four doing that, man. That's seven four. He has a runner." From the three-point line. Yeah. What? How do you defend that? He's he's seven four with an eight-foot wingspan. No one can block that shot. He's gonna break. He's gonna break the game. The yeah, the, no, absolutely. The geometry of the court is gonna be different because even when he's, I would say that he is not an instinctual defender. And I know this was more your bag than mine. I was getting more into like. Hey, tell me, tell me about the guy, right? Mm-hmm. But my scout hat got on, and I saw him out of position a lot. But he's so long that it he doesn't just matter. put his hand up, and he was back in position. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it doesn't matter. I'm not worried about the injury bug. I'm not worried about um, what usual traditional big men are. I think we need to get away from that because I think you said right the last podcast. He's Kevin Durant, but seven four. Yeah, and I'm not using that as a comp. 
I'm just saying, look. That's the style. That, style. Like, all of yeah. it. He even says that he wants to be like Kevin Durant and like Giannis. By the way, mm-hmm. if that's the combo. That yeah. The defensive Giannis, offensive <laughs> Kevin Durant, but in a seven foot four package. But like, I, I say that, and like, there's even more he can do. That's the the wildest thing about him. Yeah, it's it's we're never gonna figure. Can I it just out. say this is what your generation and the generation below you, when you guys like just sit there and go, oh, will play against plumbers and woo 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 and all that stuff. There are going to be people that when you're 60 years old, I'm not 60 yet, but there are going to be people when you're 60 years old, they're going to be like, oh yeah, that win by Yama, he was playing against like what, like computer uh, programmers and I hope not. I'm telling you, wait, because well, this dude is going to put up silly, 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 silly numbers right off the bat. Yeah. Right off the bat. I'm yeah. sold on them, so I can't wait. And you said that you're going to have something this weekend for the it, website? Yeah, this weekend it, it should come up. Probably, I'm thinking Sunday, but I'm not. I'm, it might be Saturday. All right. So that's something to look forward. Kids is something to look forward to on the website. So www.frontrunnerpc.com for all of your entertainment purposes. You know, Nico, tell me, what did you see last night that popped off the screen to you? Ooh, I I saw a hell of a game between Michigan and Iowa. It gave me vibes. I'm not sure if everyone will remember this game from last year, but I th- I think you will. Early in the season last year, there was a game between Purdue and Wisconsin where Jaden Ivey was starting to get the helium a little bit, so everyone tuned in to watch that game. And Johnny Davis came out like a bat out of hell and they just went head to head to head to head to head over and over again and it ended up being a great game that propelled both prospects into the lottery watching this game kind of gave me the same vibes for Chris Murray and Jet Howard Jet Howard is a guy who is an excellent shooter an excellent defender he Ever since I've watched any film of him, I've been fully sold on on Jet himself. I I didn't understand how he wasn't a lottery prospect in a lot of people's preseason boards. And he just showed it last night with his instinctual scoring off ball moving. Like the shot is beautiful. He he only had one rebound, no assists. He wasn't passing the ball very much, didn't have uh, defensive splash plays, but he he does more of that on other nights. Like not typically a guy who doesn't pass the ball at all. Like a couple nights ago, he had five assists. It was just clearly in the game plan, and that Jet Howard impressed the hell out of me. Jet Howard, the son of Michigan head coach uh, Jawan Howard, yes, and uh, former NBA player. So. Mm-hmm. I, I'm always when I see guys like that that grew up in locker rooms and and whatever. I never worry about those guys. Uh, yeah, because the only thing that you ever think about is like, do they really want it? Because 
you know, they've had it a little bit easier than, you know, the normal guys. But once you see that they want it. Yeah. The thing about it is, is there's nothing that's going to impress them because they've seen it all. You know, they, they, you know, maybe they haven't experienced the rigors of an NBA season, but he's seen enough of it and seen his dad go through it, through it enough where it's not going to be like, oh, well, this is beyond me, beyond my scope, because nothing is going to surprise him. And he's preparing himself like an NBA player. Yeah. Like, why would you not? Your dad did it for a lot of years in the NBA. So, exactly. And on, he, so Jed Howard played kind of the Jaden Ivey role in that game. And the Johnny Davis role was played by our dude, Chris Murray. Chris Murray came out firing as well. He can rebound the ball. He can defend a little bit. He's not the athletic freak that Keegan is. So watching him, that's that's the obvious difference in their game. But defensively, he's... I would argue better positionally than Keegan was at this point. They're not he's not the the defensive playmaker, obviously, but he knows where to be. And then offensively, he's making every shot. He's rebounding, putting the ball back. He's got some passing chops as well. Keegan Murray or went fourth overall. Chris Murray is currently projected to go in the twenties. I, I don't understand it. Chris Murray is a lottery pick. If if you looked at Keegan last year and decided he was a top five player, Chris Murray is absolutely like uh, he's a d- slightly different player, but like 90% of the player type is the same. So that's the the exact guy I'd be targeting in that late lottery range as of right now. Okay, so... <laughs> Let's see. I'm just looking at. I'm looking at Bleacher Report. If you have, if you have to ask, I'm just trying to see where they have them. Um, our guy Taylor Hendricks is in in the mix, so you you need to. There you go. Yes. Yeah, he's moved up to twenty. All right, so they have him at twenty five. Twenty five uh, to, yeah. to the Indiana Pacers. Um, yeah, most most boards by, by have him around that range. By the way, that would be perfect for him. Oh. Yeah. Perfect. You imagine a lineup of Halliburton, Matherin, Duarte, and Chris Murray. That that would be impressive. I'd, I'd need to see Duarte return to his uh, previous form a little more. But, that yeah, that would Don't be a you really have good Anything thing. bad to say about Chris Duarte? He's not not been great this year, but don't worry. Don't worry. (laughs) I understand. So my guy. So yeah, I mean, the athletic had him going 18th, so I guess that's closer to the range I see him in. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's pretty much doing all the things that his brother's doing. The one thing that I do have a problem with him is that um, his steal percentage rate. And his block percentage rate are not close to what his brother is. So no, he's, he's not the defensive playmaker. Yeah. You don't you you shouldn't expect him to be doing that. But he is much more 
uh, of like a positional guy. He knows where to be and he's consistently there. He'll he'll be able to be your four on defense, even situationally a small ball five, where Keegan kind of plays more of that Romer. Like he can sometimes do POA. He can sometimes do weak side rim protection. He can do a bunch of a bunch of different stuff. That's not quite what Chris is, but what Chris is is also very valuable on that side of the ball. Well, the one thing that I'll kind of push back on is like, well, like who would you have? Who would you have go? You know, you know, beyond him. Like Grady Dick is playing well at Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really impressed with Jarris. Uh, Garris Walker, Houston. I, yeah. I like that kid. That, um, that was another guy I loved in the preseason. Who he now he's finally showing it, and I I think he's a lottery pick as well. Anthony Black, Maxwell Lewis. Um, I got to catch a game of his. So, yeah. I, I I like that kid a lot. Yeah. So he's impressive too. I mean, honestly, I see what and. The other the other piece too is um, Bryce Sensabaugh mm. ahead of him. Now I know yeah. they're different players in a sense because he's a little bit smaller or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about the guys that kind of play his position, the Jer- the Jarris Walkers of the world and the Grady Dicks of the world, yeah, I think they do more. I, I I'm there's more. Over, I'm taking them over, Dick. I I don't think that Dick like adds enough necessarily to your team to want to pass on a guy like Chris Murray, who I think can be a big defensive piece as well as like an offensive addition for sure. I I haven't watched as much Bryce Sensabaugh this year, but from what I've seen, I I understand where you're standing. Uh, Taylor Hendricks, I I think I might take him over Taylor Hendricks as well. Yeah, you definitely take him over Taylor Hendricks. I'm taking Maxwell Lewis over him. So, yeah, that that one I agree with you on. Yeah. Um, You got to watch some more Grady Dick tape then. I've I've watched Grady Dick. He's he's. You don't have big Grady Dick energy. No, I do not. I do not. He, like, we've seen great Grady Dick style players before. I I think we could see him be successful, but like, he he's an adequate defender. Maybe not not quite adequate, but. Like offensively, he does that crazy come off screen thing. He does like I don't know. You can find Grady Dick, ninety percent of Grady Dick on the free agent pile. I feel like wow. Like, so like you don't value him at all. I wouldn't say I don't value him at all, but like okay, where would I would you rather, I would rather would you sign a Yuta Watanabe off the street for free than draft Grady Dick with a lottery pick. Where would you have him on your um, board then? Pro- I, I haven't done it definitively. I still need to watch more people, but he's probably def- outside of the lottery, uh, probably in the 20, 20 range, somewhere in the, in that realm. He's It's just not, not the player type I generally like. Mm. Well, that's our first disagreement of the, of the, of the year. So no. yeah, yeah, Grady Dick. Yeah, I I believe in the shooting. I believe that the playmaking is going to get better. Um, I believe that he's smart. 
I think the shooting is the thing that just takes him to the next level because I think there's off-platform shots that he can make that I don't think Chris Murray can make. I don't, oh, no. I think that's his, I, yeah, definitely. I think not. there's there's on-ball <laughs> creativity, not necessarily mm-hmm. as a primary, but as a secondary, that I think he can get you into different actions. And I think that if there was some sort of like Luca um, two on one trap and you shot it to Grady Dick, he would know what to do with the basketball. Yeah. And be able to effectively um, use those. Um, I guess his, 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 his advantages at that point in time. So I, yeah. I just. If you're if you're a big believer in Grady Dick, the shot maker, and Grady Dick to be potentially like your number two option on offense, I can understand more uh, wanting to push him forward. I just I don't think I'm there with him. I I see him more as like a high level bench scorer, fourth starter type at the highlight. Well. Here's where I have him to me. He's I actually think I like Sensawal more personally. Yeah. I I, I I definitely like Maxwell Lewis more. Yeah, me too, definitely. But I think he's in that range. I think he's late lottery, like thirteen to sixteen. Yeah, I think I think I'd probably have him in closer to the twenty range. Because there, there's a few guys down here on boards who I like. Him versus Taylor Hendricks is more of a question for me. Him versus Noah Clowney is a bit of a question for me. Him versus maybe Turquavion would be a bit of a question for me. So we'll have to, we'll have to see. I think that's going to be the range he's in. Mm. All right. Okay, so let me ask this question. So you watched the game with Iowa and Michigan last night. Yes. Um, what was the one thing that you saw with Jet Howard that you said immediately that translates and I could see that working in he, the NBA? It's hard. It's hard to pick just one. Um, he the the shot making and the off ball movement is absolutely the first thing you'd notice. But he is a better defender than he gets credit for. He is better ball handler than he gets credit for as well. People talk about him like he can't handle the ball, but he can. He man, he is the exact type of guy who I'm taking because like he's improved in so many different ways. I, I'm not going to bet on him to stop getting better when he's just continuously shown us that he's go- capable of getting better. And, man, he, he – yeah, you could pretty much drop him, I think, uh, in a lot of organizations in a similar way to – he's not this type of player necessarily, but in a similar way to how Dyson Daniels just dropped on to the Pelicans and was able to work into the system. I think Jet Howard is going to be that level of NBA player for <laughs> for sure. And especially what you said about like his preparedness because of dealing with everything through his father before – 
in a young as a young man that's the the Steelers are very famous for always drafting guys who like have those family ties because they know what it's like and I I like to see it on the NBA side even arguably more so than the football side because the NBA side is like 82 fucking games like that is that is hell on earth and I think people don't fully understand what it's like well, I, I'll say this is that with Jet, I know for a fact that he's working out with Jalen Rose. So oh, yeah. That's, that's not even a question. So I believe in the self-creation, mm-hmm. which to me will unlock who he is down yeah. the road. The one thing I'll ask you, I know my answer. So when mm-hmm. I ask you this, know that I'm – I already have my answer. Do you see Jet Howard in a conference finals playing significant minutes down the road? Yeah, he's absolutely that type of player. It's it's hard to like predict necessarily because you never know what team he could end up on. He could end up on the next team to have a Sacramento Kings type. Streak. No, I guess I guess the argument is just He's the type he's of player that, type of player that yeah, would he absolutely okay that's absolutely okay. he is he is the the type of guy you play in heavy playoff minutes. Right. He he can do all of that stuff. And if he ends up taking as many shots at the pro level as he kind of does at the college level, not not as much as last night, but like the if he's a fifty or a 12 to 18 shot a, a night guy like oh he they, we're probably talking all-star maybe all nba level player like that that's the upside for if he ends up fulfilling that side of it so i yeah i'm fully in love with jet howard the other the other deal with that is is that it he to me is the guy that if and I don't want these things to be true, okay? But we know the reality of the NBA draft, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody always gets picked high, and then we go three years from now, we go, why was he picked so high, right? Yeah. Jet has the possibility to me, when we look at this draft three years from now. Yeah. I, he has a... He has the possibility of being better than Amen Thompson, Cam Whitmore, Asur Thompson, uh, Brandon Miller, um, whoever else you want to put ahead of him in that in that range, as far as that's concerned. Like we'll look back on this three years from now and go, he was the Halliburton of this draft. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that definitely. There is there is a few guys who are going to go later in this class who I think have that that upside that you never know. They they could end up splashing, but I I could definitely see Jet Howard being that guy unless he keeps playing like this. Then he might just go fourth. Like I think it's on the table. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that as well. I'm just saying from what I've heard people talk about as of right now, if we're looking at 
this is the halfway mark of the season, right, in the NBA season. So scouts are starting to get their prep together and, and start making their boards and, and what have you and, and whatever. So I hear a lot of I, I hear a lot of the Thompson twins. I hear a lot of Cam Whitmore. I'm just telling you what I hear. Yeah. So Jet hasn't been in that conversation. Not yet, no. Personally, to me, he he's very much merited to be in that conversation. Yeah. Personally, I've seen more from him. Now, can't went more a different story. Villanova's not who they are. No. And he has only played 10 games because he had an injury. Mm-hmm. So I understand that. Nick Smith, same thing. We haven't seen him a lot, whatever case may be. Okay. But you're getting all of what you need from Jet. You're, you're seeing it. His willingness to play defense, his willingness to hit the boards, his willingness to make the pass, his willingness to take the shot, the willingness to go to the hole. He's doing all the things that you want him to do. Mm-hmm. So I just I tell teams like that beware. Beware of the talent that you see or the or the YouTube YouTube clip that you see or whatever the case may be. Beware. Because what's gonna happen is is that we're going to have this guy coming to the league and he's going to be very complete. He's not gonna shy away from contact. He's not going to be completely blown away by the size, height, speed of the game. Because he, his dad played in the NBA. I can't tell you how valuable that is. Look at Jer- look at uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Right. Look at the guys who are in the NBA now who have fathers play in the NBA. If you look at that and you go, "Hey, well, probably gonna be all right," probably works out. Yeah. Absolutely. Those bloodlines run deep and just being prepared for that, that type of lifestyle, I think is something that we've seen repeatedly work out for some of these guys. Yeah. So can I tell you a game I watched last night? Absolutely. All right. Um, I turned on the TV and I watched the UCLA Utah game. It's shocking. Shocking, 100%, but I saw something last night that made me so incredibly happy. Yeah. Adem Bona is a freak athlete, super strong, and he wants to block everything. (laughs) Every. Thing imaginable popcorn towels being thrown his way he blocks <laughs> phone numbers bro whatever that Geico commercial is the Kim Way doing yes this is a dem this is a dem and it goes along with Clark who is this defensive maven who's always in the passing lanes and he I would say never. I would say he's he's very successful 
when he takes a gamble. When he takes a gamble, it usually pays off. So good luck to the teams that are going into the madness this year. Good luck to you because Tiger Campbell is like 27 years old. Jaime <laughs> Hawkins Jr. is like 26. And then they got these guys on their team that are just like complete athletes and it's it's going to be a problem for people. Utah couldn't score on them. Utah scored yeah. 49 points last night. And let me tell you something. If UCLA didn't let up the last 10 minutes, they wouldn't have got they wouldn't have got to 45 at all. At all. Maybe 40. Just saying. Yeah. Really impressive performance from UCLA for sure. I didn't have time to check into that game, but Bona and uh, Jalen Clark are definitely guys I'm intrigued by uh, in this year's draft cycle. I uh, I was in on Amari Bailey too, but it doesn't seem like he's getting the minutes, unfortunately. He's hurt. He'll be back. Don't worry. Okay. That's fair. Good to know. Yeah. He's having an injury. Um, Mick Cronin hasn't really talked about it a lot, um, mm-hmm. but he said that this week, this week is out. Next week, he should be back. So that's the latest on Amari. So, because he brings something to the team that they don't, they didn't have last year. Mm-hmm. He has the I don't give a shit gene. Yes, he does. Okay, so. If you have one of those players on your squad, if they get hot, it's all over. Yeah, yeah that's all looking forward to. That would that'll win you a tournament game, hopefully. The one thing that I wanted to talk about this game is is this is that what we're seeing now in the NBA with the uptick in scoring, right? Yeah. You have to be able to put the ball in the hole to be on the court. One hundred percent. But if you can put the ball in the hole at a moderate rate and defend your ass off, you can make some money in this league. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jalen Clark is going to make money in this league. He's going to be another UCLA guy that plays 10, 12 years. We, we were like, I don't even know where this came from. Well, yeah, man, I I like Jalen Clark too. I he's he all offensively is just kind of like a connector piece. Like he's the type of guy who he can't necessarily shoot excellently, but he is very good at the second pass, the setting a random screen you wouldn't expect to come out of nowhere, and just like mucking shit up on for UCLA on offense and it generally leads to players being open who shouldn't necessarily be open and he also like he is not the worst scorer I've ever seen like versus it's not gonna be at an NBA level for sure him putting the ball in the hoop but I I think he could do some of it for sure he's he's shooting 50 percent from the floor this year he's shot 50 percent for most of the time so maybe he can be an adequate playmaker not not the greatest shooter he's got a little bit of that midi game to kind of not really but off uh 
spot ups. I I could I could see him developing the ability to shoot as well. What he is, what he is, is he's almost like an old school guy. And now people are going to look at this and go, did you really compare him to this? It's not the exact comparison. He's more of a like a Clay Thompson guy, but more defensively involved. He's not going to mm-hmm. dribble you into or out of situations, but he's going to make the right pass. Is he mm-hmm. going to be a knockdown shooter? No, but the one thing about it is is that with the space in the NBA, closing out on him is going to be an absolute problem because he's athletic, and if he gets a running start to the rim, somebody's going to be on a poster. Mm-hmm. Just saying. He's not yeah. scared. He'll dunk over it on anybody. It doesn't make a difference, and he is all of 6'5". Yeah. He's not 6'3". And then shoes on, he's 6'5". No, he's 6'5". So, and what he's going to do, be able to do defensively and then be that offensive connector, I think he he reminds me like of Herb Jones. Yeah, yeah, that's a decent one. The guy who came to mind for me, like he's not exactly this guy, obviously, but just like you put him in defensively and he kind of mucks everything up is Matisse Thibel. <laughs> he vaguely remembers, reminds me of that, just like his off-ball presence. Can I give you another name that he reminds me of? Because I think hmm. this is like the actual perfect one. Yeah. DeAnthony Melton. Okay. <laughs> okay, that that's an interesting one for sure. A bigger version. Yeah, yeah. Melton likes the ball in his hands a little more, but I I definitely see parts of it for sure. Yeah, you kind of want Melton to have the ball less, you, you a little do. bit less, mm-hmm. and that's what Jalen is. He's the guy who yeah. will just be like, I don't care, mm-hmm. whatever. And the one thing about him is, is that he won't cry about shots or anything like that. He just wants to do what's right for the team. So yeah. He's, he's, I love him as a prospect. I love him. I just think he's going to be, I don't think, I don't think he's going to be the one that I worry about mm-hmm. of the UCLA guys coming out. Yeah. Right. That's fair. He's the one that I'm kind of going like, oh, yeah, I definitely see this eight to 12 years in the league. No problem whatsoever. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> with that being said, I want to kind of close the show with this is that um, we're now back on track. So Monday, we will have a football show. Friday, we have the back the hoop show and then mm-hmm. doing life stuff. I'm working on something now with uh, my mother so we can go ahead and get that out. Yeah. We, you're working on something that I'm intrigued by. So we will. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. We'll see how that goes. I, I got another another teaser too for for next week's hoops. I think we've talked about this this a bit, so I'm excited to roll it out. Um, when looking for for topics, Vince and I were talking about how we'd like to just discuss some teams that people aren't necessarily talking about. So I think going forward weekly, we're going to try to focus on one team individually and uh, be able to 
follow what goes on to them what with them this week watch their games maybe figure out some stuff that they got going on uh narrative wise some stuff going on in the fan base and uh, i had an idea for our first team based on a conversation we had in pre-production uh let me know how you feel about it but i think our first team should be washington okay yeah all right we need to show chocolate city some love yeah for yeah. sure we gave OKC some love, and listen, OKC, you guys are going to be a topic of conversation for many years to come. Oh, yeah. Because On we the- love SGA. Yes. Because he's Canadian, one. <laughs> Free him. You know what I'm saying? Two, yeah. we just love SGA. We love the game. Yeah, we love great. the swag. We love it all with SGA. Mm-hmm. OKC is going to get some love, but we are going to give the Wizards some love next week. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait because I have thoughts. Yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced it's going to end up as love. We'll have to see how the week goes. But, oh, no, uh, it'll be love. It'll it be love. Will, it, maybe tough love. Maybe tough love. <laughs> All right. With that being said, Nico, do you have anything else, anything else that we need to plug, anything else that we need to talk about? What else is there? No, just the we've got the Victor article coming up this weekend. We've got more articles coming in the future. Hopefully, I got I got a few things to do, but I'm hoping to be able to to crush out a few more. So yeah, just be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for podcasts on Monday and Friday, and the impending life pods as well. All right. I believe there will also be another article up, uh, over the weekend. I'm not 100% sure what it will be about. I think it'll be random just thoughts in my head that I've just been holding on to for a couple weeks. So, you know, whatever. All right. So we're going to go ahead and close it down. The one thing that we definitely want to uh, show our appreciation for uh, our listeners Um it has been mind blowing to me to see the love that's coming out of Germany, the love that's coming out of parts of like, I don't even know. We got love in Paris, man. I, I don't know where this is coming from. So much respect. Yo, we love you guys. Thank yeah. you guys very much for tuning in. In the weirdest place on the face of the planet, but I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to even worry about it but ashburn virginia loves us don't well well shout out to ashburn virginia and we'll be talking about the wizards next week which is great exactly exactly all my homies live in ashburn right right all right well for nico i'm vince and we want to wish you guys a good weekend and we'll see you back on this feed monday because there will be a lot of football to talk about so yes, sir. stay tuned for that. And for you hoop heads out there, go watch some Sam Bowie YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Coming back from the pre-production conversation. Like, listen, I understand. Listen, you want to see the jaw highlights? I want to see the jaw highlights. All right. We like seeing... Ja abuse Jakob Pertle every day. We love seeing that. Mm-hmm. But go back. Get a little history. Get a little context into what this league was all about. 
Yeah. And your assignment this week is to go back and get you some Sam Bowie YouTube action. And I can't wait to hear from the Twitter people to tell me, like, that tape was so grainy, I could not even see anything that was on the court. (laughs) I look forward to those. So, all right, we're going to get out of here. Nico, you have a great weekend. Um, To everybody out there, have a great weekend. And again, just thank you to everyone out there who is listening to us and spending time with us because that's what it's all about, talking hoops and everything. So you guys have a good week, and we will talk to you soon. Soon.